Welcome to the Searching for SaaS podcast, where you'll join Nate and Josh, two founders on very different stages of their businesses. Nate is earlier on his journey and is looking for something to stick, while Josh is in the company building phase. Together, they will geek out on software as a service and share their stories. Let's dive into today's episode. Josh and I continue our conversation around my first SaaS ideas. Today, we go deeper into the challenges of positioning in a competitive space. So status list next, is that the one? Or, or are there other ones I don't know? Oh yeah, there's a, there's a few other ones. I made a little receipt tracking program for not-for-profits in Canada. Basically, they have like a paper form that all the non-for-profits use to track donation receipts. And they end up entering the information in like five different places. There's like a special format of PDF that you have to print out for each person and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, hey, wouldn't it be neat? Track it all in one spot, you know, we'll import it into your software. We'll link it up with your CRM, all that stuff. Right. And up in there was uh, not-for-profits for the most part that I talked to weren't too excited about paying for that. They were like, we write it on paper, our volunteers do it. It's no problem. We've got lots of volunteers, unpaid interns. (laughs) Yeah. And I think not-for-profits really got a good mission behind why they exist, right? And so they want to squeeze every dollar into that mission. And I completely understand that. Like, that's that's great. And I think they're doing good work. I I have heard they're notoriously hard to sell into. Yes. In terms of just like, and they're probably always looking for, is there a way we can get like a prorated amount or certain? It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And on $10 a month software, there's not much room there. Right. So yeah. did you build that too? So I built that. I built Sorry. it very quickly. I think there's like a three-day project or something. And had an MVP. I had a bunch of beta users. So that one actually got, I think I had like seven or eight people using that one for a while. Like as a trial? Like or as a, as a, yeah, as a beta. Paying or paying. Okay. As, as a beta. beta. With the understanding that it would be paid eventually. And then I just found the sales process was not not going well with that. And it doesn't help. I don't really enjoy cold calling and that sort of thing what? so much. So what? yeah. So that was, that was another fit and start. And I think what I had learned with that one was more cue was don't spend so much time building the thing, figure out if people actually want it. And this one was, I was, didn't pay attention to the customer insights fast enough. Talk they were to, there, they were telling you, but at the same time, you're probably like, Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. But really you want this, right? (laughs) I'm just so excited. I think that's part of the problem. I was excited and I saw the, the time saving, but for a lot of these people, the, the time saving didn't equate to dollars. Mm. Whereas a lot of, a lot of people in the for-profit world, there's time is money. Yeah. Right. Right. They're like, time is time. And we've got plenty of that. We don't have money. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. Yeah. That's, that's so succinct. That's great. The big thing is the value proposition. Like, how are you giving them value? And the fact that you were giving them time was not actually valuable to them. That's exactly it. I wasn't speaking their language. Okay. So what happened? How fast was this cycle? So that one was pretty quick. That one was actually, I think, over over about eight months or so. So I think first customer interaction was maybe a couple of weeks after the initial idea. And then I had beta customers within, yeah, half a month or so, because the people that I was connected to were really good networkers. So they really spread it around. And so that really helped to get beta testers. And then I did a bunch of 
email marketing and that kind of thing with it. So I was kind of learning, trying it out. Oh, so you got to learn some of the marketing aspects. You were actually doing cold calls though, right? You said you were? Yeah, so I did do some cold calls. I did most of my cold calls with Mortar Q and I was like, I am not Uh, doing that again. I will do anything uh to not do that. Uh So this one, I did a little bit of email marketing and some forum, like discussion forums. And so I kind of got exposed to that a bit. I don't think I was particularly good at it, but it did work somewhat. I got some people that way. That's cool. Yeah, you're out there. You're getting the reps. You're getting different things, learning at least the basics, the ropes of some of these elements, right? These these different pieces that can make this business work. So seems like you're a lot more user focused or at least sales and marketing focused, at least on this one. So that's cool. Like it's an acceleration though. It's still a big jump. Yeah. 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 Cool. And then status list. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the status list came after that. Yeah. And that came from our friend who was doing some things in the Heroku store. And he's like, Heroku store is awesome. It's essentially a marketplace. You've got people here looking for stuff and it may not be as crowded as like WordPress plugins or other easy start ideas, but they have like billing built in. They've got all kinds of other stuff, infrastructure for businesses sort of built into it. Um, Yeah. So there's a couple ideas that were swirling around that all kind of came together, which made status list. And the one was, like you said, our friend talking about the Heroku store. And then the other idea was there isn't something where you can get all of the statuses of your service providers on one page. Like external other SaaSs you're working with, right? Like a lot of people are using email service providers like SendGrid, Mailgun. Yep. Yep. Spark Post, all of these different email providers. So every SaaS has at least a couple of the other SaaSs they're connecting to. So that potentially become mission critical for their customers. Is that, is that Yeah, accurate? that's that's exactly it. And so they could either just have that internally or expose that to uh, clients as some sort of like SLA background information kind of thing. So I kind of went down that road a bit and I did a bunch of customer interviews with that. And that was kind of different. I basically posted it on Reddit and I think Twitter, basically offering people money in return for talking to me for half an hour or so. And that very quickly told me that people didn't actually care about those larger service providers going down because they said, well, if they go down, you know, it's horrible anyway, there's nothing we can do about it. And like, Mm -hmm. how often really does SendGrid go down? How many people did you end up interviewing? So I think I interviewed four developers so there's kind of that idea and that was kind of swirling around and I had done some customer interviews and it's kind of like, well, that's not, that doesn't seem super viable. And then the other idea was, well, like, why not just do regular old status pages? Because to this point I had been building new. Well, you had the infrastructure built out, right? Like you had some things built out. I had some no? of the infrastructure. It was very rudimentary at that point. So the idea was to monitor external service providers yep. and kind of jumped back to what is sort of the normal status quo for monitoring, like most people are just uptime monitoring for your own stuff. So you can yep. have a status page and uh, you can know when it goes down. Think of Kingdom. Uh, yep. Oh dear, app, uptime robot. There, there's a whole slew of them. So you went from a blue ocean idea that was there and for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then into a red ocean strategy that said, hey, there's there's cheese down this tunnel. There's 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 a meat on the bone over there. What, what can I do to break me off a piece? 
Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like there's people making money over there. So, you know, why not? Maybe I can beat them at that game. And you to feel like you got led there because you started building the other one and you were kind of in that scope. Like if you never did the initial idea about monitoring their external services, you probably wouldn't have jumped to just monitoring their own services. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you had an asset, you, know, you had some, co some code, you had some ideas of like this whole thing. You had a domain name, you had all these things before. So it's like, okay, a pivot, right? You attempted a pivot. Yeah, exactly. I totally wouldn't have gone there by choice, but it was like, I'm here anyway, and I want to build something and I don't have any better ideas. So mm -hmm. why not? <laughs> so it's like, what else am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And so I ended up building my own and trying to find, basically trying to find an edge as to why people should buy my uptime service as opposed to someone else's. Because that's what I started to see right away is like, there's so many uptime services. People there's no differentiation, me. right? There's no position, no insight, no differentiation among the other ones. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause like you said, you started with differentiation with, the, with your other things. You went from your first idea. It was differentiated. It was positioned differently. They're just, the market wasn't big enough and you couldn't access the market, whether it existed or not. The next one is the initial value proposition you had did not align well. And you discovered that saving time for a nonprofit was not a thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next one was, okay, this was a total blue ocean. Like, Hey, this is an idea that maybe is, is a little untapped. Is this an unmet need? And you pivoted and you couldn't find a positioning. You couldn't find an insight. And we also, I, I guess we, we have, we have, we have coined that one, a commodity, right? A commodity yeah. market. Yeah, definitely a commodity market. Like the definition of commodity, there's no differentiation <laughs> and everyone is doing it. Right. It's like, could you look at like how, like their database connections, what other little pieces could be interesting going deeper? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I went down that path a bit to try and get an edge. One was to test uh, database uptime and performance. Um, and the other thing was to really drill into the performance metrics on the uptime checks. And so I had like a full breakdown of TLS overhead times of oh, the it was network. Cool, though. It was cool seeing all that stuff. Oh, it was fun, really fun. To, sure. It was so fun to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, exactly. Um, well, I and think then, the like, other problem we ran into is that you started to cross over with is it application APS performance monitoring a APMs, APM. like so so you started to cross over into apm territory and further drifting into okay that's a deep dark rabbit hole and then i think a natural progression out of apm also goes into like the logging and exception logging and the splunk territory and all these oh, other yes. rabbit holes yeah uh, funny enough stabs with rabbit <laughs> Yeah. So it was like a lightweight APM basically. And so I was trying to figure out like, is there better alerts that I could give that would, you know, help people recover faster. And so we gave like transcripts of the errors and yeah, the email notifications We kind of tried to clean those up. So like, you know, a 403 would give you a different message than a 500 would give you and that sort of thing. And I, the Heroku store, like I learned a lot about lead acquisition and stuff like that. I played around with some, some advertising, like pay-per-click advertising 
right? And that was that was a really good learning experience to just figure out how paperclip works and optimizing that, working with different ad copy, all that stuff. How many people did you end up having signed up for that? Oh, it was quite a few. You have to, like part of the Heroku onboarding is you have to get a uh, hundred people in your beta. Right. So if you, you got wanna... that. So I got the hundred, right. yeah. And I, I think part of the reason I got that was that I offered a free plan. When you're in mm -hmm. beta, you can, you can only offer a free plan. And I found after moving out of beta, when I could offer the paid plans, that the paid plan volume really wasn't there for it. People were just coming for the free stuff and, and just looking through the data too, like the, the large majority was hobbyist users. Right. Right. And which then when you stepped back and looked and go, okay, who's Heroku? You're like, oh yeah, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Cause it's like their, their whole claim to fame. It's like, so it's great for devs to start. They give a bunch of free credits, just like go. Yeah. It's all taken care of. It's Lego blocks. So that, that was, that was pretty neat to see that acquisition channel and to optimize for that. I learned a lot about like SEO and um, ad copy and that sort of thing, which was really good. I did always have a secondary channel that people could purchase through the website. They didn't have to be on Heroku and that channel did not do well. Try as I might, the, the SEO wasn't there and even driving pay-per-click through it just didn't really give any results. So where is it now? So status list is still around. You could purchase it today if you felt like it. There's no, there's no free there. plan. <laughs> just so I don't Are have to deal. You, yep. You stop paying users on there. Yeah. I still have paying customers and that's the reason it's still around is uh, I'm going to continue to support them. Yeah. But you're not adding any new, new things to it. Essentially. You're just like keeping it, keeping it running. Yeah. I'm just keeping it running at the moment. Just kind of having it there as an asset. I'm not really sure if anything will happen with it. I did kind of look down the road to see how I might be able to grow it just because I was able to acquire some customers by doing enough pay-per-click and enough marketing. So it is possible to put in a certain amount of effort and get a certain number of customers back for that effort. Uh, so, so it's an asset. There's plenty of stories in the, in the bootstrap world of people just having things hanging around and maybe they're, they're at least a couple steps ahead on something or there's a, a change of wind or something like that a lot of people talk about is like convert kid and Nathan Barry, right? I think the whole story is you really take it very seriously. And now you look at it today in terms of a whole, you know, creator, maker, economy, all of this stuff. And I think even people are leaving things like Stack to kind of own their channel and go to go to convert kid. But, you know, took a niche approach. And I think that's an approach that we know and have discussed before that taking a niche approach or there's always the the pricing approach. And then when you looked at mm -hmm. the status list market or the market for uptime monitoring, right. That it was like, there were so many competitors that already played the price game. So it's like so cheap, like no one, yeah. you know, it's like, is it even worth taking my credit card out? Yeah. Yeah. It was very cheap. Like I think a lot of places were even offering just like straight up free plans. And it's like, well, you can't really compete with that. Like no matter how bad their product might be or how much better your features might be. Yeah. It's going to be a, a tough win there for something and that a lot is of these not probably really... aren't going to grow, right? They're not going to grow. Like sometimes part of a free thing is like, okay, can I get hooked in? Like there's no yeah. hook, right? There's no, I'm not investing in, it's not like a landing page thing. I have my landing page built out. I actually have an asset I've invested time into. Don't take that away from me when I hit the third page. 
yeah. or, hey, I actually have customers coming to this page and I have a few paying customers. I don't want to take that away. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And then I think down that APM route, I mean, that, that was probably just a deep, dark hole of needing much more dev, needing much more polished, whether there's room in that market or not. It's, it's hard, yeah. probably much harder to get noticed for that. There's, there's a lot of technology implications going into that market. The sort of infrastructure you need to be able to handle the volume of data that that would generate or could generate quite a, quite a bit of infrastructure to make that work properly. And then just, yeah, you'd have to integrate with all the different frameworks and stuff like that. It's, it's not a, it's not, not a bootstrapper friendly oh. type of, type of, type of business, right? Which, exactly. which I think, yeah, this, this kind of whittles down to like what you're looking for. So you want to stay independent and bootstrapped, at least now. I mean, that's kind of like, let me get something. You know, people complain about, oh, all the good ones are gone. It's like <laughs> that that golden age is over. But I, I would differ on that saying that every new thing out there, there's just another layer of opportunity that, you know, either a market is growing or a niche that isn't there yet. It's not big enough to have sub-niches where a particular use case is very different. I think I would agree, as you saw through the status list stuff, I, I don't see an angle. I know we've, we've bashed our heads a bunch of times. <laughs> like, like, what is there a way? We saw some interesting ones, like the one that for SEO, right? They did it kind of yep. more yep. SEO specific. And there's, there's so many. I feel like so many people are in there because they know it's a big market reasonably, like with HREFs mm -hmm. and all these other things, but it's also hard to get noticed. I mean, you can't out SEO people that are doing SEO. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, how to, if I was like SEO tool, yeah, SEOs are not looking at that term. No, no. Those are the, actually the most competitive terms. Yeah, no, exactly. The, that I think we'd probably do a whole episode just on the SEO space, but I think you're right. As the market changes, it seems like a lot of opportunities are taken, but that's just because you see what people are doing. You didn't probably realize that those opportunities were there before they took them. And I think that's just a, yeah, you just have to look a little deeper, I guess. It's, I think it's hard to remember that when you're searching around for an idea, you can sometimes right. feel a little down and be like, you know, the world's against me. All the ideas are taken. What am I going to do? Yeah. And I think this might be a good closing point. I think tracking back up to to real time now, you have a different idea you're working on. And I feel like your head is in a good space with that. But I did see a moment where it didn't seem like your head was a good, in a good space when, it, when I think we had these weekly check-ins and you mentioned the fact that, you know, you were, everyone's like, oh, how's your week going? You're like, just, it's just, it's bad. And we're like, wait, what's, what's going on? You're like, I'm doing all this stuff. And essentially my, my idea is not, you know, getting any traction this week. I'm like, week? I think you're in this stage where you want it. You want, you want this to happen. And you see Twitter, you see all these, you're seeing it happen for other people. And that's what I think is kind of interesting about this. You, you want this to happen, but I, I think I brought the analogy. It was like, was it getting married or finding, finding your, your wife or your state or your spouse? Like, you know, that stuff doesn't happen no matter how much you want it. You just have to kind of be out there. Right. And it happens when it happens, you know what you're looking for. And I feel like you're in that stage. It's like you've dated Yeah, You have an idea, you're, you're, kind of, you have strong feelings about what the types of things you're looking for. We know it's bootstrap. We, we know it's SaaS. I think we talked about that the other day. Mm -hmm. Anytime I think I've thrown info product related types of ideas, you're like, eh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah and i think you're in this phase of like waiting and and i think we'll probably continue conversions on ideation how to find ideas and and validation and kind of just i don't know hopefully we'll find something over the course of this podcast yeah and if we don't find something it'll be plenty of fodder for for our discussions yeah plenty of stuff to poke fun at nate for now <laughs> i think <laughs> hopefully everyone will learn too hopefully i can lend some some bird's eye view of some things but obviously i'm going through other challenges now but definitely talk about my challenges too so i think it's Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at Searching for SAS on Twitter. That's Searching, the number four, SAS. Or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week.